Irish NFL show. Firstly, thank you for listening to the show. We truly appreciate all our listeners. If you are enjoying the show, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing on whichever podcast platform you are listening on. It makes a huge difference. It helps others to find the show, and we would massively appreciate it. Also, reach out to us on social media. We love interacting with listeners and with fans from wherever you are in the world. And with that said, on with today's episode. Welcome into the Irish NFL show as we have a look at what the Pittsburgh Steelers have been doing over the course of the offseason. Delighted to have Chris Adamski, I nearly got it right, Adamski on. Uh, I think it's a Polish surname. Chris, it's great to have you on the Irish NFL show. First time on the Irish NFL show. It is, yes. I'm excited. Yeah, I have uh, a lot of connections to Ireland. My my wife's family, my family to a point. Uh, so it, it's, it's it's fun to be on. And we spoke uh, just before the recording that uh, you, you do believe there's a bit of Irish heritage in the family. Yes, yes. I, I we got, see, I, I don't know. My, uh, uh, the, the DNA test didn't come out. It was kind of disappointing. I thought it was a lot more than, than I was. Like, I've been telling people about a quarter Irish, and I think it came in, you know, the, the single digits percentage wise. So I, there's a lot of, you know, British Isle things that went on there, Welsh and, and, uh, and, and, you know, British or whatever it is. But, um, yes, I, I have, and then my wife's definitely, uh, you know, like a half Irish. So, so we're, we're, we're proud of that. I was there to cover the uh, Penn State uh, when the Penn State football played at, at, at uh, Croke Park. That's my only time I've been to Ireland, but I spent a few days in Dublin for for that. So that, that was a fun time. Well, we're going to get into Croke Park in a minute because we're going to talk about the recent Steelers announcement. You are a Steelers reporter for the for the Trib Lives, so we're delighted to have you on. And uh, we were there that day at the uh, at the the I suppose the the announcement in which the Rooney family attended, announcing that the Steelers had signed up to the marketing rights within Ireland. And it seems to be kind of one of those stories that was inevitable over the course of the last two years. We've seen so many NFL teams sign into various different rights and people this side of the of the world, in particular Ireland, were wondering when the Steelers were going to come to the table. And, and you wrote a very good article that particular week where a month on and in fairness, you, you referenced some of their content over the past couple of years and it seemed to be something that was growing. From the state side, like this thing is a significant thing for the Irish people, you know, especially NFL fans here. And there's quite a lot of Steelers fans here, but over the states was it was a recognized a pickup as a really important piece within the Steelers organization. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, talk about whatever my family ties are to Ireland. I mean, the Rudy family obviously is very strong ties and very proud ties and very formal ties. And you come an ambassador, so I I know you know. See, let's put it this way: when Mr. Rudy died, that was a, everybody was wearing you know Irish uh, uh, pins and everything for the for the, for the draft later that year. I mean, it, it's it's part of the culture of the organization in, in some ways. And of course, the family is the Rudy family is. They don't own 100 percent of the team anymore, but they're you know they're still the patriarch and are Rudy the second. And and so in, in Ireland is a big part of their lives. It, as you know, somebody I'm sure you know uh, the book written about the families. It's titled in Gaelic even and. And so it, it, you're right. It, inevitable is probably a good way to put it. I, I was kind of surprised in that first round of, um, of, of international partnerships was announced the year before, I think it was last year, maybe two years ago, uh, the Steelers, what got Mexico and, and Germany. Um, but I was, I, but you know, it wasn't like anybody other, other team got Ireland. So I, I'm sure whenever Ireland was announced, it was going to be at least partially the Steelers and, and they, they played, you know, the preseason games again, I'm sure you, you're aware uh, in there and, and we'll see, um, you know, in international in the future, how, how much the NFL expands, and, and, you know, plays regular season games. And if, and 
if and when there is one there. And I'm, I'm sure the Steelers will be high on the list of possibilities to play there. Yeah, they did kind of highlight the fact that they played that preseason game against the Bears in 1997. We're going back quite a quite a period of time now, but I think it is feels like a sense of inevitability that come in the next three to four years, especially with the NFL in general in terms of how they're growing globally with the games in London, the commitment for the Jags to play two games in London this year. We've got two Germany games. It's just continue to continue grow to the game. I think it's inevitable the Steelers will be. You might be back in Pro Park again, watching the Steelers this time around. Yeah, yeah, it might be. Yeah, that, that was definitely an, an experience at that, that stadium. You know, they gave us a tour and then the history and everything. I learned a lot about the the, the Gaelic Athletic Association and and uh, you know that learn learn about uh, Gaelic football and, and and hurling and things I didn't know and then things like that. So that was fun and fun to be in that stadium. And I thought it was funny too that they they talked about how big the now college football rosters are actually bigger than NFL rosters, as you know. Uh, maybe you know the college rosters go over a hundred. Um, so that's part of the problem. They said, we don't know where to house all these players. Uh, <laughs> how do you need so many players to play a game? Um, you know, people aren't, aren't familiar with American football as, as much. Um, but so it kind of was eye-opening for me, too. I'm like, yeah, why do we need so many players to play this game? <laughs> and every other sport in the world doesn't seem to need this model of specialization. But I think that's part of what makes American football uh, um, sort of uh, also unique and kind of fun is that there is so much specialization and you need a whole team. You need. You know, you need 40 guys, you need 22 positions plus specialists, you know, so there's a lot that goes into putting a good team together. It's funny you should say that. We did a live show in the Aviva Stadium, which is the other stadium on the other side of the city, last August when when Northwestern played the college game here. We got Notre Dame coming here in Dublin, and we were downstairs in the dressing rooms. They, they had to use the backup dressing room along with the main dressing room to accommodate all the players, to, as in the amount of players that were there. Uh, so you've touched on it there. So look, we're a month out, give or take, from the start of training camp. And this time last year, Kenny Pickett was not necessarily the one that people, albeit there seemed to be an open competition. Um, Mr. Trubisky wins that. We're 12 months on, and essentially it's his job now. Um, reflecting on the period of time in which he, he did play, when he came in with the, his opening game against the Jets, um, where do you think he is, you know, in terms of his position at the moment, um, we we have a for people listening on the podcast, we have a lurker in the in the in the background. Sorry about that. We do a working from home situation. I do it was inevitable at some point. Um, and I'll jump back in. As for the point being, he, he, yeah. he um, Piggy comes in mid mid season, takes him a little time to kind of transition into being the starter. Played really well. For me, there's still a bit of a mixed bag of whether Steelers fans are 100% in on him. What's your thoughts on, on how he's progressed so far? Yeah, I, I think generally speaking, um, Steelers fans and, and even like those of us who, you know, the media and that follow them closely, I I think, you know, I, and if it, listen, you could say that it's it's blind optimism maybe or fandom is that, that way. You always think better of your players maybe or you think your team might be better. You could say that, although... I, I would argue a lot of times Steeler fans are, are are sort of have a pessimistic sort of bitter view for how good the organization's been and they, they, people still want more. But but I think Kenny Pickett is a case where if you watched him every play, watched every game he played, you know every throw, every down, I think you you have a better you feel better about his future than maybe looking at the stat sheet or from a national or from a, well an international perspective. Um, watching you know if you're an NFL fan in general and. And and, it, I, and the thing is, all these you know, there's all, everybody has lists now and rankings come out. Where do you put Kenny Pickett? And he's been in the you know the, the mid to late twenties 
in terms of ranking of the 32 starting quarterbacks. And, you know, you kind of scratch your head a little bit if you've been watching him and because you feel better about what he does and the plays he makes and kind of the decisions he makes. And, you know, his stat line wasn't that good. And it's also, though, when you look at the list, you know, it's hard to sit here and maybe one or two people, quarterbacks here or there. You say he's better than or more accomplished than or, or whatever. But but it's also hard to say. I can't sit here and present a case where he's a top 10 quarterback right now or top 15 quarterback even. So he still has a lot to prove. Um, and But even sort of like, you know, the pro football focus rankings, the last eight weeks of the season, he was, I think he was rated the best the last eight weeks of the season um, in, in the league. Um, in terms of his, his grade, that's one that's one way to evaluate. There's a lot of ways to evaluate, but uh, um, you know, I, I tend to be, you know, I, maybe my nature, my job, more cynical or more skeptical um, than most. Or at least I try to be. I don't want to be a, a homer and, and you know, pay things. So, I, but but that all being said, I, I think Kenny Pickett. I I, I feel better about was with this. I'll put it this way: from last year when they took him in the draft, or this point before training camp, whatever it is, to right now. I feel much, much better about the prospects in the future of, him, of a decade from now, him being the Steelers franchise quarterback. And, you know, I don't think he's maybe not all a famer. I'm not ready to say anything like that, of course, or even a pro bowler yet, but I think he is definitely a, a you know, a, a, a franchise quarterback that can win games for you and, and be successful for you in this league for, for a decade. Bearing in mind, they won six of their last seven games. Uh, you touched on Dennis. That's where, where reasonably good and, and certainly getting short, you know, put up on certain websites such as Pro Football Focused. And we see now this season, for instance, with the Texans and the Colts, they're going to throw their quarterbacks in immediately. Do you think there might have been a different scenario if they had to just wet room immediately and take the bruises early on and potentially he might have, might have gone into the playoffs against these because he would have been more season prepared by, by the time he, he did come into the league? Yeah, you know, you, you can't. It's kind of like you can't have it both ways. And, and the Steelers right now, this summer, uh, you know, between Mike Tomlin and Kenny Pickett and, and everybody around him, say, "Well, you know, Pickett's gonna be that much better this year because he's gonna have the whole off season of uh, preparing and, and you know taking first team reps all through, uh, you know, summer OTAs and then training camp, and he's gonna be that much better for it." Well, that means the last year he wasn't better for getting third team reps around this time last year and, and not getting second team reps until you know mid August. And then, you know, not get any first team reps until, you know, mid-October. Um, so, it, you know, in retrospect, um, at the time people were saying that, that, that I, you know, who knows what level of um, promise or, or, or the discussion between Mitch Trubisky and, and, um, and, and, you know, Mike Tomlin or the Steelers brass was when they signed him and how much of it of an assurance they gave him. And I, I could see sort of the apprehension of, of necessarily starting to uh, you know, make your rookie quarterback earn it. Um, so I, at the time I, I was sort of okay with the way things went. I, I wish they wouldn't have, you know, Mike Tallman kept calling it a competition and, and it never was. I, there was never, Mick Trubisky took first team reps from first day of OTAs until, you know, the end of, until end of week three's week four practices, right? I, there was never any sort of maneuvering whatsoever. I guess you could say the Rudolph and Pickett thing that went second and third, they switched up, but there wasn't any kind of local competition. So. In retrospect, certainly, I think the Steelers and Kenny Pickett would, would have been better off if he had those extra few months of first-team reps, but that's the past now, as they say, and I'm sure if you ask Mike Tomlin about it, he'll say the same thing, I'll look in the past, I'll look in the future, or something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, Tomlin certainly is one of the most um, great, he's, I mean, he's one of the best head coaches in the league, there's no doubt about it, and going into last season, there was many people who were down on the Steelers, and yet he finds a way to navigate 
a season, a winning record season of nine and eight. He did a kind of a press conference, not a press conference, sorry, a speech at the end of the, the voluntary camp two weeks ago where he says every player needs to get better, even over the next four weeks when they're off, they should be all getting better. And we judge you based on where you are within your career. I mean, how much does that play into the Steelers' minds, the fact that they go into a division with, with all due respect, coaches that aren't at the level of my time. You know, Zach Dennis had a really good time in Cincinnati. Stefanski's probably under a little bit of pressure with Cleveland. And John Harbour, despite success in Baltimore, They've had a little bit of a difficult time. It might be a little bit easier now that the Lamar contract is resolved, but you can't get away from the fact how how successful Mike Tomlin is and how how much he means to the to this team and this organization. Yeah, it's really you know they've been one part you know lucky, one part um, you know savvy in the way. Obviously, everybody knows they've only had three head coaches in fifty four years now, and uh, you know to, to be able to to three times in a row be able to to hit home runs on that were guys who. And, and, you know, Mike Tomlin had no previous ties to, unlike Bill Cowher, who was a Pittsburgh, you know, from Pittsburgh, um, you know, that, that's a tie to the Steelers, or it's just that, that tie to the city in some ways. Mike Tomlin had no formal ties to Pittsburgh or to the Steelers or anything like that. He was relatively, I mean, he was young. I mean, so was Cowher when he was hired, but it, he was young and he was relatively, you know, young as a coach and Terry, I mean, one year as a coordinator before being hired by the Steelers. But he embraced that and recognized sort of, you know, being a Steeler and being the head coach of the Steelers and, and part of that, you know, culture uh, and, and you know, all those words you say, a lot of them are cliches, but but they do mean something. And I, I think he, and yeah, I, I, you know, again, people are getting sort of frustrated and we talk about fans or whatever, that they, the Steelers haven't advanced further in the playoffs in a long time now. Uh, you know, I haven't won a playoff game in six years. And, and there, is, there are fair criticisms in a lot of ways in terms of that. But at the same time, you know, the, the Steelers have been, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, we could talk about nowadays there's, you know, analytics and whatever and, and what are decisions you make and, and, and games. But, but I, I definitely think now that, that twice the Steelers, the time that under Tomlin started two and six and came back and didn't have a losing season. I, I think that's a definitely reflection on the head coach. You know, I don't think you can argue that in terms of the, the again, the culture and, and, and what you and, you know, the, the pride you instill in your, in your players and your team. That, that's a reflection on Mike Tomlin. Uh, Matt Cannon is a kind of a precarious one because at the end of the season we see offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators let go by by a lot of teams coming in the season and he seems to be one name that people felt would be let go. He hasn't been released of his of his role within the team. He's been held on. He's going to be the offensive coordinator this season. And speaking to a Cedars fans in Ireland, I know there's people in the states probably have a, an opinion on this as well that are not too engaged, with, enamored with Matt Cannon and they feel he should have been let go. Is it a consistency thing to try to keep the transition going with, with Pickett that it has to be one of the main reasons why you feel they kept him on? Yeah, I mean, that would decide, I, you know, Kenny Pickett, you know, I, I, Kenny Pickett did, did like working or didn't, I, I think, you know, part of it maybe is resisting change too or, or just being, being have a comfort. There's definitely a comfort level. Let's put it that way. There's a comfort level there between the two. Um, yes, the continuity of not wanting to start over with it. I'm going back to the three head coaches thing. That's different coordinator, but I think that that's, Again, part of the organizational, you know, uh, uh, culture. I hate using that word too much, but uh, credo that they want to keep things as you know. You don't want much turbulence. You want to keep things as smooth as possible. Um, I, that leads into it. Yeah, you have going back to Kenny Pickett having a full off season, a full off season in the offense that he already knew, a full off season with his teammates, full off season the same coordinator, the same quarterbacks coach. Now, um, everything kind of that 
everything to support Kenny Pickett to take that next step in year two, I think, is why they kept him. I think now, Bill, you know, being the final year of his contract and being now that there's been sort of a, I don't want to use the word excuse, but, uh, you know, the, it, the first, first season's coordinator, you had a quarterback who obviously at that point wasn't mobile and they, they, they were very limited what they could do. So it was a lot of quick throws from Ben Roethlisberger that first year. Last year, the rookie quarterback and the quarterback change and, and everything that goes along with that. You've had a young offense these past two years other than Ben, the one year. Now the offense, although those players have matured now into, you know, Najee Harris, a third-year player, Pat Farmy, the third-year player, and, you know, uh, George Pickens, a second-year player, you're, some of your linemen, although you might have a rookie lineman anyway, but in other words, this offense isn't it isn't the collection of rookies and second year guys you had the last couple of years. So, if, if the offense isn't good this year, all right, I, there's no more sort of you know free passes. I, I don't think, and 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 if it doesn't go well this year, or it doesn't improve, then I think you will see a change of coordinator next year. But Matt Canada gets to run him back one more time, and 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 like I said, now he should have he should be able to have be able to show what he can do. How much? Strategy, Broderick Jones is going to feel going into this season as the, the rookie first round pick bear and in mind the significance of an offensive line last year that was up and down, shall we say, and had some good games, but by and large, people were kind of concerned. And I think he was, you sense the importance of Brandon Moyne, how much they needed to, you know, it was recognized by the time we got to that stage of the draft, he was going to go very soon. They move up with the Patriots to get him, recognize that someone else is going to quickly take him. I mean, that's going to kind of show you, signifies. How important it is to get this offensive line right is that is that where this team is essentially won an Oscar straight away? How well the offensive line plays? Yeah, I mean that was the position. I, I, uh, you know, I, I don't know even though at this point if he's going to start week one like I thought. Uh, um, after OTAs, I think Dan Moore might be able to. It might be a similar situation like quarterback last year with the first round pick. Uh, you start out maybe you know by week four or whatever it is. There, there's a change at some point there. I don't know. Um, but I, you know, whether or not this season per se, Broderick Jones is, is the, you know, when he starts week wise, probably expect that some point by the end of, by the end of the season, he'll, he'll be starting at, at very least. He might even start week one. I'm not, I'm not downplaying that, um, at, at all. Um, but whether or not he's a, you know, a, whatever pro ball level or ever level you want to put a elite tackle, he, he will be at some point in the future. Um, or, or, you know, he projects that way for sure. So. Yeah, that's one of those, you know, the offensive line last year, uh, nobody got hurt. Uh, so they had, they had the continuity. They played every snap. There was there was durability. I, I think it was better play overall than the year before. But, I mean, listen, the Steelers themselves, management themselves, whether Omar Khan or Andy Weidel and Mike Tomlin, whoever's making these decisions collaboratively, um, they showed they weren't satisfied with the offensive line by the fact that they signed three in free agency. Not one of them, two of them are backups. I get it. And uh, and Nate Herbig, I always get the Herbigs confused. And uh, Laraven Clark is a backup tackle, and of course Isaac Samuel is signed to be a starter. And then you draft an offensive lineman in the first round. Um, they showed they weren't; they needed to upgrade the offensive line. They thought that themselves. So, um, but here's the thing: like I said, I don't know if you're upgrading from the line from two years ago when it was pretty poor. Um, at last year, I thought it was it was adequate, and I still needed an upgrade. But um, you, you know, you, you need to take that step, and. It, and if you're breaking in, rookie left tackle was good as I think Roderick Jones will be long term. You know, his rookie year, his first year, when you have a rookie left tackle, that's still a little bit sort of nerve wracking, right? Yeah, absolutely. Just um, wanted to touch on you, you said it earlier on in, in the recording, you were two and six initially starting the season. And I was just reading through some of the reports this week. People are putting the Steelers as a team that people are kind of floating under the radar 
they feel that this team could really potentially push on and win 10, 11 games this season and be right in the mix for the division. And then I, I read other reports where people are saying the the tight margin of games in which they won towards the back end of the season, some of them could have went either either way and there would have been a very different mindset as to the Cedars going into the new season. Where do you sit on that? Do you think this team could really push on and challenge the division next this year coming against powerhouses in the Bengals and the Ravens? Yeah, it was kind of eye-opening to me to see, and I guess it's not entirely surprising, although, uh, you know, I would I would think I'll, I'm going to predict the Steelers have finished ahead of the Browns. I, I, I was surprised that you see the betting markets all have um, the Browns as the third pick to win the division and the Steelers as the fourth pick, the last place. So essentially the Steelers are are being predicted to finish in last place, which is which did surprise me. But again, it's like you sit through, I mean, you're not going to predict them to finish ahead of the, of the, of the Bengals, that's for sure. You're not going to predict them probably to finish ahead of the Ravens either, or a reasonable person. You know, I think you could probably make the case they could, but the Browns did surprise me. But I think that kind of shows, you know, again, where, where they are. And, you know, they built the team uh, sort of to play those close games, uh, right? Uh, you know, some of the, you know, the offensive linemen I, I mentioned that they signed are, are, are you know, more known or sort of, um, you know, that they're run run blocking and then, you know, being road graders and that type of thing. And you draft another offensive line. You draft a, a tight end who's a, who's known for his blocking. Um, you know, Matt Canada was pretty upfront that uh, that they plan on being sort of a, a power team, or a run team. So when you when you build a team that way, you know, your games are going to be close just by their nature, right? You're not expecting to score. A, a, you're not – you're not designed to, 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 to win games 41 to, to you know, to, to 28. You're open to win games. No blowouts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, the games are going to be like that, right? Um, I see the point that, you know, that, that you know, throw here or there or play here and there against the Raiders and the Ravens and those two games in particular, um, whether they, you know, I think they deserve, the word deserve, they deserve to win them, but, the, you know, that they, had, they made the plays down the stretch to win them. And, you know, if they didn't, you look at this entirely offseason, your entire Steelers outlook different if they're seven and 10 last year and they lost two of their last three and they weren't scoring points in those games until those in both those games. They weren't what well, they had six points against the uh, against the Oakland Elmas called Las Vegas and um, uh, what 10 against Baltimore until the final drive of each game um, that could have to win you many games or keep you in many games. Um, so I, I, I get the kind of the fine line thing and the people could be pessimistic about the, the Steelers and, uh, but you know, on paper, I think the offense, you know, I I'll tell you this during, again, it's all summer, summer workouts and football and shorts as Mike Fallman says, but Darnell Washington looks like a, a better receiving as a tight end than I, than I anticipated. Um, you know, Pratt Fryer, I think is a, you know, one of the going to evolve into one of the league's better tight ends. I think you have a you know a good enough running back in Najee Harris. Uh, uh, you know George Pickens. If Allen Robinson is healthy, is a good number three receiver. You're happy with that for sure. George Pickens should take a next step. Deontay Johnson is is a is a quality NFL. Re- There's enough weapons here on offense that I think they can you know overachieve a little bit depending on how their style is or whatever. I think they should be able to score in the mid twenties, and you can do that with with their defense if they stay healthy. Um, I think they they'll still be okay to win games, but I, I do see why uh, it'll be for me. I keep want to say national perspective, international perspective. Um, the, the Steelers, uh, you know, might aren't going to be favorites, and aren't you know? I can see why people might be a little down on them. I just wanted to jump on Washington there because I think he was picked in the fourth round, and a lot of people felt he would have went a lot sooner if it wasn't for his his injury concerns and his previous injuries. People are kind of suggesting he's a kind of a dark horse to be one of these kind of 
players this season that nobody saw coming and they've really found a gem in this player. He like from what you see in the footage, and again, you're you're rightly calling it out. It's hard to really quantify how good it is based on what we're seeing because they're in shorts and not in pads. But he does look a player that, if the offense gets going, could be a serious player for this team. Yeah, yeah. A couple things about that. A like he didn't miss. You know, I know there's a lot of chatter once he started falling to the draft boards that that the, the injury concerns were why he did. And I thought maybe you know we'd see him the first couple of weeks with a lot of players that weren't practicing. Now I know a rookie veterans are different than rookies and whatever. And you know maybe Cole Holcomb is still wasn't practicing by the end of minicamp, right? That's got a little bit alarming to me, right? It's been it was November or December he had surgery and. And so well, he, he say he's going to be ready by training camp, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting a you know, little bit, put a little bit of concern there, but Darnell Washington did not miss a, a drill or a snap or anything. And I thought maybe, so I don't know where, what the injury situation or why that was, if that's true or not, but uh, there was no visible evidence of that over summer uh, uh, workouts in camp. And, you know, he came with the reputation of being the best blocking tight end in the draft. And the whole sixth offensive lineman thing that, that Mike Tomlin said, um, but, you know, he really was impressive in that setting. Again, I, I, I've learned a lot. I tell people all the time that I learned that in, in these, you know, these types of drills, that pads, that, that receivers always look really good or, or they can look really to stand out receiving tight ends. But I'll tell you this, he did make a lot of plays. He showed really good hands to me. His use, he knows how to use his size, which is important whenever you're 6'7". Uh, where it can be a point of weapon whenever you're 6'7", to be able to use your size and your height. I, I really think, he's going to be more of a weapon in the passing game than maybe I anticipated even when they made the draft. Chris, you touched on those two games towards the back end of the season. Last question is around the defense because, you know, no scoring points from the offense, but if you don't have a really strong defense to keep you in these games, you know, you're not going to be in a position to find ways to win later on down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Is this team built in mind that the defense is, prim- is primarily out it is going to not necessarily keep them in games, but win them games. And this team season will be based on how strong the defense plays, as opposed to all these weapons that the offense has put together. Is that fair to say? Yeah, the, the, that the defense needs to be, you know, a good defense. Does it need to be the the number one defense and the top five? I don't know, but yeah, the defense isn't a, a, certainly in, in the top half and in, in probably the top third of the league in terms of production points. However you want to measure it, uh, yeah, I don't think the Steelers are, are going to go too far this year. And, and if they have the highest paid defense in the league, part of that is your quarterback still on a rookie contract. I get that. Um, you know, anybody that any team that has a veteran quarterback, that's a huge chunk of your salary cap to go on the offense right there off the bat. The Sewers don't have that. Um, and you have three at least potential Hall of Fame players at each level, one at each level of the defense, and Cameron Hayward, uh, TJ Watt, and Mika Fitzpatrick. So you have those three players, and and of course the questions will be. I uh, can Cam Hayward. When is he going to start getting old? When is he going to start looking like he's old? Um, you know, he's in his mid thirties now, and one of these years, it happens to everybody. Uh, he will regress, but is, is that time this year? Is it still a year or two down the road? Um, can TJ Watt stay healthy? Now we've had two straight seasons where you had the first season he didn't miss much time, but he, he had more. He had four separate injuries that, that forced him out of games. Last year was more just. But he had a couple injuries last year still, but it was this one stretch of time he missed, and he wasn't himself, or at least his dominant self, his Hall of Fame self, when he did come back. But if you get the you know a healthy T.J. Watt at his peak, and he's still not by any means age old um, by any any stretch, and if you get Kane Hayward hasn't stepped taken a step back, and you get the Minka Fitzpatrick you had last year, it's a pretty good place to start for a good defense having those three players. 
Now, other than that, there's been a lot of turnover now uh, outside of those three that they completely redid their inside linebackers. And, you know, it'll be, like I said earlier, we haven't seen Cole Holcomb on a practice field even yet really for team drills. So there's there's kind of questions how that'll, that'll be fun to watch uh, over training camp to see how those inside linebackers, how they play and how they fit together. Um, you know, Alex Highsmith is another piece that's back, of course, too. And, and, you know, the contract situation with him, but I think he's a very solid player where he is. The defensive line, Larry Elgin-Joby having him, if he's, you know, if he was at all, and he was hindered by, he didn't probably practice at all last year because of coming off of his injury. If he's, if he was hindered off in his play last year and he would get a better Larry Elgin-Joby this year, and you could, you could, you know, make the case that you will. Um, that's another high level, you know, pro bowl caliber player. I, I like the idea they're using three safeties now. I think Casey and Demonte uh, Casey and Keanu Neal is a good sort of one-two punch to complement Mika Fitzpatrick and play all three safeties at once, or, to, or you know to, to mix and match them. And you know, Casey's a really good ball skills, and, and Neal is good you know, support in the run. Um, and then you know Joey Porter Jr. has looked really good as, as another cornerback. I haven't mentioned Patrick Peterson yet, so yeah, I you know on paper. <laughs> I think the defense has the potential to, you know, to be very, very, very good. And if it's, but there's a lot of, you know, kind of questions there as there are with every team. Uh, but if, yeah, if they slip and, and they're not, you know, if they're not above average defense, it's going to be hard to construct the way the Steelers team is going to, you know, be able to, to, to get where they want to go in terms of contending for the division and things like that. Yeah. I was just going to throw it out now to finish off Patrick Peterson, a very experienced cornerback in the league comes over. He feels like a real Mike Tomlin type of player to come in his experience and to kind of help and, and nurture a guy like Joey Porter Jr. who's coming into the league and, and maybe we'll see a scenario where they, they play across from each other in the secondary this season. Yeah, that's what, it, that'll be another interesting thing to watch how that sort of, as Mike Tomlin used the phrase, division of labor uh, shakes out. Um, there's a lot of different ways it could go. Uh, I, you know, toward the end of minicamp there, I think the, 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 where the, the, the leader for how it's going to shake out is maybe Joey Porter is a starter with Levi Wallace and, and Patrick Peterson plays the slot. Um, there's a lot of reasons why that is an ideal. I, you know, Patrick Peterson has never been in, in the slot full-time in his career. Um, Joey Porter, of course, has never played it down in his career at the NFL level. Um, but, you know, you, you have options with the way that plays out, and it'll be interesting to see. Um you know, but I, I don't think Joey Porter did anything over summer to show that that he's he's certainly can't start as, as a rookie or play a big role at least. Uh, you know, play you know over half the snaps. So, and uh, if Patrick Peters will play on the outside, I don't know. Like Levi Wallace, he seems to be sort of like he has his starting spot at this point. But there's there's ways it could go in in terms of um, Shannon Sullivan was signed to play the slot, but I don't know if he necessarily is the answer, but he's an option then if you decide you need Patrick Peterson to play the outside. There's a lot of different ways that that could shake out and, you know, a lot of sort of unknowns in terms of how that will. But, yeah, Patrick Peterson, you know, he's not the player he was when he was, you know, at the peak of his Hall of Fame career, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, whatever it was. But, you know, he still can play in this league. We saw last year he's still a valuable piece that can be deployed in a lot of ways and, and kind of, it gives you flexibility in case your reporter isn't ready or in case you have, you know, somebody doesn't step up and take the slot rule. There's a lot of places you can put Patrick Peterson and feel safe and secure that he's not going to, not going to screw things up. Very interesting time ahead for all NFL fans. We're a month out from training camp and a month out from the Steelers getting going. And hopefully we get you back on during the season, Chris. We really appreciate your time today. Chris Adamski from the Trib Live coming on the show to discuss all things Steelers. Thanks again, Chris. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.